This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who tried to force the boys around them out of the closet in high school. I'm Hannah Leach. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Productions, and we haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an age-old attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today we are talking about 2014's GBF. Why not send out a mass text and be done with it? Tanner, you cannot come out via text. All I want to get is... I guess I am. Gay, I'm gay, I guess. <gasps> Our very own homosexual! <laughs> you don't even sound like the ones on Bravo. We can totally gay you over. Frenzy. Oh, fug in the good way. Seems that many of you girls are treating Tam as more of a prize to be won than an actual person. Maybe everyone secretly wants a GBF. Come on, you call this an ensemble? Get it together, girl. Do not call me that. I meant like girl with a U. Girl. This one isn't exactly sleepover cinema. It's a little late in the canon. We want to. It's late. Yeah, we want to acknowledge that. However, first of all, we do have some younger listeners. And it's just very relevant to us. So uh, here we are covering GBF. I did actually watch it in 2014 or 2015. So, okay. you know, as as far back as it can go, I did see okay. it. So. Okay. Well, at least there's that. Um, yeah. But before we get into, uh, you know, our regular routine here, guess what? We are officially brand ambassadors for none other than Casetify. <laughs> yeah. So um, we have some really beautiful phone cases that they sent us for free. For the video listeners, you can see I got this really cute, like hippie looking one that's iridescent, which I love. And then also this other one of um, a girl on the subway. Look at, well, I shouldn't assume. I shouldn't assume a person looking out um, from the subway with some like fish floating around in the city. It's very cute. Audrey, what do you have? I just have two different like funky floral-ish ones. I got two cases that I definitely wouldn't buy if I was spending money. Yeah. (laughs) Because I'm always like, I need to get a clear case. Like I'm like, I just go for the most neutral thing possible. Um, Because I usually want to see... 
Like I like to see the back of the phone. Like I think that's kind of fun. And I'll put stickers on it usually. So that's why I always go for the clear. So I got these two. Personally, I feel very catered to with my cases. And there's basically a theme for like every taste out there. There's a Y2K genre of case, which is obviously very relevant to what we're doing here. Um, But if you want to support us and get a sweet phone case in the process. When you're checking out on Casetify, use the discount code 15SLEEPOVER and um, you'll get a discount of 15% off. So thank you to Casetify for sliding into the DMs. Before we get into the movie, Audrey, what's our hot take of the week? I'm staying away from song versus song. I'm staying away from Disney Channel Please, because we've been tired. on it. I'm tired. Delia's versus Forever 21. <laughs> that is such a good question. I stopped shopping at Delia's as soon as my mom stopped paying for my clothes because Delia's was like high quality. Like yeah. it, it was way more substantial than Forever 21. And you already know I got like an infinite spectrum of colored corduroys from Delia's in my youth. They were sturdy pants. They were pretty nice. In fact, if I still had them, I would probably find a way to wear them, but I don't have them. So on principle, I'm going to say Delia's. I definitely had more from Forever 21 over the years. Yeah. But Forever 21 is just so much more outright evil. Yeah. (laughs) But I do remember a time in life where I was like, why would I ever shop anywhere else? Like I was like, I was like, Forever 21 is it. Like I know if I go there, I'll be able to find a new outfit. Going in the Forever 21 in our mall that like everybody went to it was like you were gonna see someone yeah for sure definitely I like couldn't fit into forever 21 until I did my uh Weight Watchers journey and so when I finally was able to fit in it I was like ooh, like I can shop here um but now they're like way more size inclusive as are most brands so yeah I can still get stuff there so slay but also not slay I probably last bought something from there in like 2017. I think me too. But sometimes I'll thrift something from Forever 21. Like that'll happen. I also just want to say I got a haircut. (laughs) I got a haircut last weekend and now I'm a middle part girl finally. And I have bangs and I am exploring my new identity as a middle part bangs person. So if you're watching the video version, I got a new haircut. Okay, are we ready to get into GBF? Literally no, but uh, here's what I want to say. I know a lot of you probably haven't seen it and with good reason. Yes. Um, But it's so funny. And it's so bad. Yes. (laughs) I think you should get into it. (laughs) So GBF was released to the public wide release on March 10th, 2014 and was rated R, which is insane. Um, And this is just like a little blurb that I found about that. So the film received an R rating from the MPAA for, quote, sexual references. Director Stein responded to the rating by saying, 
I always thought of GBF as a PG-13 movie, but we were given an R for sexual references while not having a single F-bomb, hint of nudity or violence in the film. Perhaps the ratings box should more accurately read for homosexual references or too many scenes of gay teens kissing. I look forward to a world where queer teens can express their humor and desire in a sweet, fun teen film that doesn't get tagged with a cautionary R. It's actually very fucked up. It is really fucked up. I totally agree. Um, Especially because it's only like six or seven years before Love, Simon. But that just goes to show like how much culture changed towards like white hot gays between now and then. Like, yeah, so people might as well be Mr. Rogers (laughs) at this point. That is so true. Like we have Pete Buttigieg. Like we've come a long way, um, at least for that demographic of gay. So something to think about. And we'll come back to that during the cultural context. But anyway, this movie was directed by Darren Stein, best known for directing Jawbreaker, of course, GBF, Sparkler, and Seeds of Yesterday. It was also written by George Northey, who wrote for Charmed, GBF, upcoming Jawbreaker series, and Faking It. So George and Darren are kind of like recurring collaborators, which is cool. Um... This movie's production situation is quite interesting. So someone funded this movie primarily, but to finish up the movie, they had to launch an Indiegogo campaign, which um, is not surprising considering the end product. But the Indiegogo is really funny. Like it was promising perk packages from Jojo and Ivana Lynch, who obviously you know who Jojo is, but Ivana Lynch... Basically, they were, like, baiting potential, like, funders with these, like, bonus packages. And Ivana Lynch is obviously Luna Lovegood from the Harry Potter series. But so just one thing that I thought was really interesting. This is, like, when they were listing, like, what they needed the money for. Um, They said, if we surpass our goal, we can use the money to take the film to festivals in every major U.S. market, hire a publicist, create a grassroots campaign that includes special screenings for high school GSA clubs, gay straight alliances, and do absolutely everything we can to make sure people across the movie have the opportunity (laughs) to see the movie, which personally... Across the country, across the country. Yeah. Personally, I think... What did I say? Across the movie. Girl, (laughs) across the country. Um, I think that the catering towards GSAs is so cute. Yeah. (laughs) Like, the fact that that was, like, such a crucial element of life is so funny. I wouldn't call this film, like, good representation of a GSA, so that's confusing. A school doesn't have to have a GSA. It has a drama club, okay? (laughs) That's the GSA. That is the GSA. I truly don't know what the activities of the GSA are, so... It was just, you know what? You're so right. We would have to ask someone who was in the GSA. Is it like everyone sits in a room and doesn't hate crime each other? Like, I'm curious. Or do they have initiatives? Because if so, then that's fine. They're just like watching Rocky Horror and like painting (laughs) rainbow signs. Like, I don't know what it is. Okay. And just another interesting tidbit about this Indiegogo is that at the highest level of contribution, $5,000, this was the perk. The GBF VIP dinner party. 
you and a plus one can attend a dinner party <laughs> in the Hollywood Hills with GBF's director, writer, and cast members. The evening will include an intimate acoustic <laughs> performance by JoJo and will be catered by the owner and chef of Auntie M's Catering. Travel not included. Plus an invite and a plus one to the private cast and crew screening in L.A. and a signed DVD, a set of cast photos, signed <laughs> movie poster, and stickers, not to mention BFF status. If I could turn back time. <laughs> An intimate acoustic performance by JoJo. I just am like, and this was, no one. There were zero claimers of this perk. But it's also really interesting that like JoJo was in this movie and that that was included as a perk because this was like the era of her career when she was like being held hostage by her shitty contract with her former label. So... Just an interesting thing to keep in mind. Okay, synopses. We've got our typical three synopses. The IMDB one is what happens after Tanner is outed by his classmates and becomes the title gay best friend for three high school queen bees. The Rotten Tomatoes one is a closeted gay teen wants to join the popular gal's clique, but his scheme backfires when his best friend is forced out of the closet instead. Oh, that's interesting because it like centers the best friend instead of him. Which that's how it should have been, in my opinion. I kind of agree. And that's like a whole syndrome of its own. And then the letterbox one is the bitter fight for supremacy between the three most popular girls at North Gateway High takes an unexpected turn when their classmate Tanner is outed and becomes the school's first openly gay student. The trio races to bag the big trend in fashion accessories, the gay best friend, while Tanner must decide whether his skyrocketing popularity is more important than the friendships he is leaving behind. (laughs) But the beginning of it weirdly does center the girls, but then it twists and turns into being about him. We've got one tagline. (laughs) Being out has never been so in. (laughs) That is a good tagline. That is, that actually is a good tagline. That's a great tagline. I love that one. The, The marketing and the tagline and all these things are far better and more promising than the product itself. Yeah, like the poster is so like campy and over the top. Like you think it's going to be a sleigh and then it's not. I wish so bad that there was a cameo by Chris Colfer in this movie. I know. It would have been so good. Um, Okay. Anyway, getting into this cast, which honestly, I don't like putting the cast list together. But this one especially, I was like, oh, must I? Mostly because the two most interesting people, to me, are billed really low. So Michael J. Willett plays Tanner Daniels, who is the one who ultimately is the sought-after GBF. Yes. Um, He is known for GBF, Finding It, United States of Tara, or Tara, I forget which it is, Paragon School for Girls. And then Paul Iacono, however you say his name, he plays Brent Van Camp. That's great. That name. <laughs> um, he's known for GBF, Animal, Fame, No God, No Master, and Twink Slave. <laughs> he played the role titled Twink Slave in It Could Be Worse. What the hell? I just had to put it there. 
It happens. Yeah. <laughs> Next, we have Sasha Peter. I've never known how to say her last name. Peters or whatever, whatever it is. She played Fawcett Brooks. Mm-hmm. Fawcett. <laughs> and she's known for Inherent Vice, Allison De Laurentiis, and Pretty Little Liars and Heroes. Um, but I think for the most part, our listeners, it's Allison De Laurentiis. Yes. What an icon. She was like 12 years old in the pilot of that show and everyone else was like 20. Wow. And it's really crazy because she looks their age and they also look young, but yeah. Yeah. Um, then we've got Andrea Bowen who plays Schlee Osgood. <laughs> Which is funny. Yeah, it is kind of funny. It's like Ashley, um, but Schlee. Yeah. And she plays a more like a Mormon mean girl, which is yeah. definitely something that you don't see very often. Right. But she's known for Desperate Housewives, GBF, and Scandal. Next, we have Zosha Rockmore, who plays Caprice Winters, one of the three mean girls of the, the cliques, except she's for like drama club. And again, like with High School Musical, being the head of drama club doesn't make you popular. No. It just doesn't. Um, she's known for Precious, The Disaster Artist, and The Mindy Project. She was a, okay. she was like a series regular on The Mindy Project. All right. Mm-hmm. That's all very respectable. Yeah. Next, we have Molly Tarlov. <laughs> <laughs> she plays Sophie Astor, who I already forget who that was. She was like the, the friend, I think. She was like the girlfriend of the gays. And she's only known for Awkward. Yeah, well, she was, like, the main girl in Awkward, which, like, oh. can you think of anything more dated than a show called Awkward? Like, she was in GBF and Awkward, like, damn, those are some... Like, you were dated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next, we have Ivana Lynch, who, as we said before, played Luna Lovegood in Harry Potter, and she plays a character called Mackenzie Price. Which I hate. I don't know why she's in this movie. I just, like, would like to think higher of her. Yeah. Well, she, and, like, the part is, like, this really obscure other Christian girl, which is, like, why did we need her, too? There's no answers to these questions, but. No answers. No. Um, Finally, our, a crowd pleaser, Jojo. (laughs) Yes. Plays. Soledad Bronstein. Yes. Um, and she's kind of the one who is head, the head of the GSA and she's trying to like basically out people in the school to like get real gay members in the GSA. Yeah. It's crazy. She is known for Aquamarine, <laughs> RV, GBF, and Extinction. Obviously, she's more well known as a musical artist. Yeah. Um, duh. Um, okay, so getting into these numbers, the estimated budget was $3.2 million. They filmed this movie in 22 days. Yeah, you can tell. Yeah. And so opening weekend, could not find a single number, and I really looked. Critic score, 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's actually really high. Shocking. Um, the critical consensus is GBF explores high school relationship dynamics and teen stereotypes with a refreshingly humorous touch and surprisingly subtle smarts. And then we've got a few more critic opinions. Chronic bubblegum high school farce in which gay characters are reduced to tokenistic social accessories. The result is a mostly swishy, sweet fun, although admittedly it might have benefited from a bit of tweaking to fluff up bigger, better, and 
bitchier one-liners. Agreed. <laughs> and then lastly, occasional laughs don't outweigh an incoherent tone in gay forward teen comedy. Yeah. Agreed. True. Okay. And then audience score was 55% on Rotten Tomatoes and 2.3 stars on Letterboxd. Some Rotten Tomatoes reviews. <laughs> stars. This movie sucked so much, I waned to go back in he closet. (laughs) (laughs) Waned. Overly simplistic and panderous. This movie obviously targets white gay adolescents that are now seen as an acceptable market. Although the main characters are gay, they seem just as flat as the token characters found elsewhere. Five stars. Interesting, (laughs) dot, dot, dot. Very comedic. (laughs) (laughs) No. No. Okay, then the letterbox section. One star. GBF stands for genuinely bad film. (laughs) Five stars. When Fawcett said he obvs died of the hiv, that's cinema, baby. (laughs) 1.5 stars. The things we do for Natasha Leone and Jojo. Oh, fuck. I forgot to include her in the list. Natasha Leone is also in this movie, but like barely. Five stars. Sneaking downstairs to watch this before deleting it from my Netflix history is something that these baby gays will never experience, and I feel bad for them for that. I don't feel bad for them for that. No, it <laughs> they seems, shouldn't have to go through that. It's true. It's true. Okay, so cultural context. I just thought that a little bit of context on, like, where gay rights were at when this movie came out might be helpful because things really picked up steam quite quickly. So, okay, in September 99... President Clinton signs the Defense of Marriage Act, which was this. The law defined marriage as a legal union between one man and one woman and that no state is required to recognize a same-sex marriage from out of state. So, homophobia. April 2000, Vermont becomes the first state in the U.S. to legalize civil unions and registered partnerships between same-sex couples. Of course, Vermont is going in. May 2004, Massachusetts becomes the first state to legalize gay marriage. Um, In the following six years, New Hampshire, Vermont, Connecticut, Iowa, and D.C. will follow suit. November 2008, California voters approve Prop 8, making same-sex marriage in California illegal. So weird. The passing of the ballot garners national attention from gay rights supporters across the U.S., and Prop 8 inspires the No Hate Campaign, a photo project that uses celebrities to promote marriage equality. And then next we have October 2009, where the Matthew Shepard Act is passed by Congress and signed into law by Obama on October 28th. The measure expands the 1969 U.S. federal hate crime law, which basically gay, like anti-gay attacks get um, included in this hate crime law against perceived gender, sexual orientation, gender identity, or disability. Like all of those things got added to what constitutes a hate crime. December 2010, Don't Ask, Don't Tell gets repealed. February 2011, Obama states his administration will no longer defend the Defense of Marriage Act, which bans recognition of same-sex marriage. June 2011, New York State passes the Marriage Equity Act. And June 2015, on Audrey's birthday, gay marriage is recognized in all 50 states. So between June 2011 and June 2015, it's before gay marriage is legally recognized is where GBF lands. So just think about that. Interesting timeline. Things picked up speed quite quickly if you think about it. That shit needs to get codified. 
It does. It really, really does. It's scary that it's not. So hopefully these things stay in place, but we'll see what happens. So I had never seen this movie until like two days ago. But Audrey, what did you remember (laughs) about this movie? Well, we haven't even introed the fact that our literal GPS. Yeah. <laughs> Except I would never say that. No. And it wasn't, it wasn't like no. that. No, not, not the way it is in the movie. Yeah. But um, our two friends from high school, Ethan and Chris, are going to be in the second half of this episode. We're really excited about that. Yeah. I don't know what we're going to talk about. <laughs> I don't know what's going to be said. Yeah. But... In 2014, during my senior year of high school, we probably were just like scrolling on Netflix or something and saw that it was there. And we were like, oh, interesting. Uh Gosh, this. There were laughs. There were tears. (laughs) There were tears? (laughs) No, there were tears. Good. But it was just like, and it, it really sticks out in my mind. Like watching that movie with him at that time was really. Uh, very much like a senior year memory. Like I actually yeah. do remember it well. And so I don't want to reveal anything now because we're going to talk about it later. Chris, who we're going to talk to, we had a little blurb from him during the Bend it Like Beckham episode because he's like an expert in international affairs. But we've been friends since seventh grade. He was my eighth grade boyfriend, of course. We really have been through a lot of things. <laughs> like we went to NYU together. We suffered through all of like drama club and show choir together. Um, we are really close and were extremely close in high school. Um, like yeah. so, so close. He's so fucking funny. I can't wait for him to be on the episode. (laughs) Um, I'm sure we'll talk about his coming out in the second half, but I remember it very, very clearly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Both Ethan and Chris have great coming out stories. Anyway, so we're really, really excited to talk to them in the second half. Most of the second half will be us talking with them because honestly... There isn't that much to say about GBF other than just shitting on it. Um, yeah. And we think it would be more interesting to talk to our actual GBFs from high school. So um, oh, yeah. get ready for that in the second half. Where did we watch this movie? It was free, free with ads yeah. on like YouTube and stuff. Of course. <laughs> I watched it somewhere legit and for free, but I don't remember where it was. So It's on all the AVOD platforms, the ad-based platforms for free, just with ads. Anyway, so find this movie, give it a watch, and then meet us back here for our cute little conversations with Ethan and Chris. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Okay, everyone, we are back um, to dig into 2014's GBF along with our two beloved friends, Ethan and Chris. Um, We're going to do like two mini interviews with them that we will get to shortly. But before we get to that, we just wanted to kind of touch on the things about this movie that stood out to us the most. I have two main things. The first one is that when Tanner calls his best friend the F slur on that friend's front porch, I like (laughs) actually screamed. I was so shocked. I made Josh come in. Like I rewound it and I made him watch it too. I was so surprised. I was so surprised. What else surprised me about this is that the fact that it's even entertained that, that Tanner and Brent would be a couple because they just don't seem like they would. They. I don't see them having a crush on each other. Ultimately, that is what they decide. But for a second there, you kind of think yeah. that might happen. I think it's one of those things where like they were trying to get at the fact that like proximity in high school is a really Which big is thing. Very true. And then the second thing that stood out to me is when they go on the shopping spree and they're like in the photo booth and like trying on outfits. I didn't know that it was possible to represent 2013, the year I graduated high school, so accurately fashion-wise until I saw that scene. Obviously, they're making, at the time, a modern-day film, but they're trying to make these really, like, iconic outfits for the day, (laughs) for the time. And it's just, like, 2013 on crack. Like, it's actually crazy. It's, like, peplum skirts, vests. really tall heels like them going into the photo booth looking like that and then ellie goulding's (laughs) anything can happen i was like oh my god this is immersive first of all i just have to say this man playing tanner might be the worst actor i've ever seen in my life (laughs) it was pretty bad awful i just loved how like in the first chunk of the movie like his beanie was doing the acting for him Never have I seen such an incongruous beanie in my life. Yeah, like <laughs> the beanie was carrying the first chunk of this movie. And you know, it reminds me of Chris because Chris used to let the beanie carry him as well. We've, we've all seen it. It happens. It's, um, it does happen and we just try to erase it from history after it happens. It is partially realistic in that way. Like letting the beanie do the talking. <laughs> Let the beanie do the talking. It's so true. It's very Tumblr gay too. Yeah. This movie has just layers and layers of of things going on that I couldn't even begin to dissect. But when a movie about a GBF comes from gay men, you're bound to have a lack of nuance. I feel like they're entitled to that lack of nuance. Exactly. And that's kind of what I come away with. It's like, well, we can have this boilerplate version of that type of girl for this movie because they are real. Like those girls do exist. Um, And they also have the Sophie character who's supposed to represent like the female friend who does get it and like actually is their friend and isn't using them. Did you feel represented? No. (laughs) By her? Did you? Yes. I mean, not really. I I guess in theory, if there was somebody I would relate to, it would be her. I think that the hot topicness of her also resonated with me. The desire for this movie to be iconic and held in culture is very high. 
They yeah. wanted that. You can see it. You can see how badly they wanted it. They wanted dialogue that you could quote for decades to come. Yeah. Um, and I remember on the DVD cover, it there was a marketing quote that was like, the next Clueless. <laughs> no. And it's just like, you missed the mark so bad. But I admire you for trying. Also, we have to mention Jawbreaker in regards to this film because this director has these creatives have a history of changing cinema in that way. And they just miss the mark so hard. Um, But the woman who plays Tanner's stepmom is in Jawbreaker. So she's there, you know, there's reference to that history, but they didn't do it. So we're just going to get to it right now. It's going to be just me and Ethan and just Hannah and Chris. So a little (laughs) one-on-one stitch. Yeah. Except also Audrey's pretty close with Chris too. So that's something to keep in mind. And I love Ethan, but we're not as close as (laughs) Audrey and Chris are. Um, Mostly because when Audrey was super close with Ethan, a bulk of it was when I was in college already. Um, Whereas Audrey would hang out with me and my friends while we were still in high school. So it just shook out a little differently. But Ethan is so supportive. Ethan is in the Discord and so is Chris. So the, the girls are involved. Audrey and Ethan's conversation. So here we are with Ethan, my personal GPS. <laughs> Just kidding. But Ethan is here, and I'm really excited to talk to you today because, man, we've been through it. So please give us a little rundown of who you are. As Audrey said, I'm Audrey's GPS, Ethan. <laughs> I, no, I wouldn't say, I would never um, speak of myself in those terms. I would say Audrey and I were best friends in high school. We did a lot of theater and drama club and show choir together growing up. And then nowadays I live in Columbus, Ohio. I'm a user experience designer. So it's kind of cool to watch like Audrey and I both doing a lot of creative stuff um, as kids and then figure out different ways to stay creative as adults. Yeah, it's definitely always been that way, like us encouraging each other to do the thing that we want to do. Even like on my documentary, which we've talked about many times on this podcast, Ethan did the titles for that. And I was always encouraging Ethan to like pursue graphic design, actually, because it was like so clearly your thing, your notes in high school, the way that you wrote your notes and your study guides and all this stuff. It was just like the idea that you were even entertaining doing anything else and did entertain it is really funny. Well, thank you. I think that's actually similar to my experience coming out and like with this movie, in addition to like how I um, approached choosing my career is like, just a lot of hesitancy and a lot of like, there's an obvious right answer, but um, like overthinking everything. Before we get into the the meat of it all, let's just talk about briefly when we became friends, I guess sixth grade, right? I think. I I moved to the town that Ethan lived in, in fifth grade. And then we weren't, we didn't come in contact, I don't think, in fifth grade. But then in sixth grade, we were in the same team, if you will. I just don't really know, like, how it happened. The main thing I associate with the beginning of our friendship is 
like tofuti ice cream. <laughs> so I had an undiagnosed peanut allergy until oh, I was right. 17. And so <laughs> forever, I've always felt like an ally of those with um, intolerances and allergies. <laughs> So, like, in elementary school, I would sit with our friend Noah, who had a peanut allergy, because I just didn't like peanuts. I wasn't officially allergic. And then I feel like that kind of carried into your inability to eat regular ice cream. And peanut allergy. But it was always, our friendship was basically just me being like, you're fake. (laughs) Ooh, that's true. (laughs) I was like, I'd be like, well, if you ate one, would you die? Like that was like the level to which it had to be at. Which I wouldn't. It was gaslighting and I apologize. I apologize for that. I remember I went to your birthday party. Which Uh, one? There's that picture of us in your kitchen. Oh, my surprise birthday party. Maybe 10th or 11th grade is when we really were like solidified best friends. It's kind of peculiar that around the same time that I came out, I feel like you and I became best friends. Yeah. So my question for you on this podcast is, were you looking for a GBF? <laughs> no. I, I mean, hey, if I was, I had like 40 of them. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> um, there was no shortage. But No, that's true. <laughs> And also, we definitely both had our sights set on, like, being the leaders of Drama Club our senior year. And I think... We're two driven theater lovers. I guess so. (laughs) You know, also what I think it is, is because, like, our circles and, you know, being in theater and the people we were around, like, everyone was so dramatic. And I think you and I were, like, the most chill out of everyone agreed we were able to bond and kind of like figure out how to deal with all this craziness around us together yeah the year was 2015 I'm guessing you were at my house my parents weren't home we probably looked at Netflix and we're like scrolling on Netflix and then found GBF and then we're like what is this <laughs> and then decided to watch it is that I don't know I don't know yeah how it, was, happen. it was upstairs in your living room which was like weird for us because like the yeah. hangout was in your basement uh but we were up there and I don't know I feel like we're like GBF <laughs> sounds relevant like we could probably give it a watch Yeah. And it had just come out. It was like very new at the time, but I don't know if I was aware of that. But anyway, so we start watching it and I'm pretty sure we were pretty scandalized. I mean, there were things that we could relate to, but the movie is so cartoonish. You don't actually, you're not like this movie is serious, but there were certainly aspects to it that we could relate to at the time. What do you think of it now? Did you do you feel like you perceived it differently this time? Yes, so much differently. Because like I remember after watching it, we just thought it was so bad. Yeah. <laughs> like this this is not cinema. This is awful. Um, like the storytelling, the cartoonish characters, everything. But I think upon rewatch, I like 
being older, being more removed from the situation, I feel like this was actually very smart. Oh. <laughs> like it felt very like it's satire. Like it's not right. meant to be real. And I think at that time I like thought that, you know, I was interpreting it literally. And I'm like, oh no, this is bad. This this would never happen. These characters mm-hmm. are not believable. But it's like making fun of the GBF and that phenomenon and that like weird period of time where it was so desirable to have a gay best friend. This film wants to be the gay mean girls so badly. I like, know. There's so many like even just references to mean girls. So there were a lot of really good lines in this film. Okay, this is my favorite one. Um, come on, we were going to watch The Boys. I did enjoy that one, actually. Does your vocal coach know you smoke? <laughs> come on, that's so good. No, I mean, like, it's not a good movie, but yeah. I think that I appreciate it a lot more this time around. There's definitely problematic stuff here. The racism is pretty horrendous. Um, yes. There was one line that, like, it was a three-in-one. It was fatphobic, ableist, and homophobic all in one. And I'm like, how do you do this? This is really cringe. It's like an overreach, basically, where it's not, they're not trying to be those things. They're trying to, like, claim things that they don't have the right to claim. That's kind of, like, how it came off to me. They're trying to make an inclusive film that's, like, a little bit edgy and a little bit crass but then like watching it now it's just like it's not the way i thought megan mullally was amazing that's the mom like the oh yeah 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 oh my god yeah the brokeback mountain scene that was a lot okay so how would you describe yourself in 2013 where you were at mentally what was happening i was in drama club I had just started uh my first year of show choir which I kind of I know you guys talk about that in pod but I'd alluded to earlier like that was something that I actively chose not to do even though it was kind of inevitable that I would be in (laughs) it because of our like you know love for performing and like It just seemed like a very clear route, but I was so terrified that people were going to call me gay if I was in show choir, Mm -hmm. which is so dumb because I was in drama club. Yeah, I mean, you're already in the, you're already over there. It's, it's all the same wing, you know, (laughs) truly the same wing in the school. Mm -hmm. But so, yeah, I finally like let myself live my truth a little bit more by being in the show choir and pursuing something that I thought would be really fun. Did I not tell you to to do it? Of course you told me. I think I did. Yeah, because I wasn't even in it at the time and I wanted to be in it. We just talked about it and I was like, yeah, absolutely. You should do it because if you're a boy and it's like easy. It's so easy to get into show choir. And there's so many girls who want that. And so I think from that perspective, I was like, not only because I knew you would enjoy it, but because you could easily be in it. So, you know. Yeah, that was probably a slap in the face of me being like, I could do this, but I don't want to. I'm scared. Right. Well, but I understood. I understood your reservations and like, 
that's very real. So I don't think I thought of it like that. So Fawcett, the character Fawcett in GBF actually reminds me of this girl that was in my honors bio class my sophomore year in 2013. I didn't know her at all. She was like this very like beautiful, blonde, popular girl a year ahead of me. I never talked to her before. And then she just like looked at me and then turned to our mutual friend and said, okay, so he's gay. And then kept on <laughs> going with her conversation. And I hated that. You got clocked. <laughs> I got clocked. I don't think I had ever... I don't, that might have been the only time that that's really happened pre-coming out. I think at that time I knew, but um, I definitely wasn't ready to share that with anybody. So I just threw a fit and pretended like I was so mad at her, which I was, but she was right. I want to know like when, when it became real enough that you were like, I'm going to start coming out to people and then how that eventually led to the grand one. If you know. <laughs> yeah, that's a really interesting question about like when things felt different because my my high school diaries don't go back far enough to like before I knew because like my first entry is like I have a secret, but I won't tell you. So like, you knew it was there. <laughs> The very first time I told someone that was in our lives was someone who I met at a show choir competition who was like in a different school and I snapchatted her and told her. A safe bet. Well, <laughs> maybe not. not so safe. <laughs> not so safe. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, my friend Brandon introduced me to her. He's like, you know, been a good friend of mine for a while. Yeah. Um, and I knew they were friends. So apparently, as soon as I Snapchatted this girl that I was gay, she immediately texted Brandon and was like, wait, what's happening? Oh, my God. That is not a true straight best friend right there. No. An ally. I don't know, like, what influenced me to start telling my best friends, but I remember you were in that, like, first few conversations. Do you remember... That super clearly because I, I very much do. I think I do because at the time we had the really early lunch period. <laughs> like we basically were eating lunch at 10 a.m. Like it was tragic. And <laughs> we were the only two of our friend group that had that lunch. So basically we not basically, quite literally, we sat by ourselves at a table at lunch every day. And I loved that. Like to me, that was great because there was like 10 people in that lunch anyway. Like it never made me feel bad. Like I, I loved that actually. No, it was, it was more funny than sad. Yeah, it was funny. On days that you weren't there, <laughs> and I was alone. It did feel pretty sad. Our lockers were near each other as well because our last names are close in the alphabet. So we always, our lockers were always close. And then one day we were walking from the lockers to the lunchroom with kind of a long walk. I don't know how you said it. I don't really remember that part. But I and I don't remember what I said either. I just remember that it happened. Was it a shock? No. <laughs> 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 no, like, I think I was waiting. I was kind of waiting for I was never going to bring anything up prior to you saying something. Like, honestly, I, I think I was so lucky enough that 
all of my fears and, and you know kind of internal struggle with like coming to terms of being gay and then choosing to be out is like all internal like there was mm-hmm. no no pressure no like homophobia present or none that like I really saw a lot of and yeah. so even like you know I'm sure especially today like people are a lot it's a lot easier but like I'm sure that still there's a lot that goes um in your head it felt very freeing to realize that I'm the only one that like cares about that yeah at that point a lot of people from Hannah's class had already come out and like I feel like it just started a string of of more people coming out which was fine it was fun <laughs> for me there was like one big coming out where that like that I do remember the thought process of where like so I started telling like my best friends and I told my family and then there was one day where I was like I went to sleep to take a little nap in between school and our show choir practice and so I couldn't sleep and I just like sat there thinking like okay I'm gonna do it I'm just gonna tell everybody and I like that decision was made so quickly, but I was so confident that that was the right choice. Like, and I feel like that's happened to me a few times in life where I'm like, it feels like a rush decision, but like I've been festering on it for like years and years and years. And then like the minute that you decide that it's okay, you're like, oh yes, of course. Right. Then I like came to Chopin and I'm like, talked to the director and I said, Hi, I'd like to make an announcement at the end of the... (laughs) That's insane. Later at the end of the night, this was like a night when all the upperclassmen got a chance to like say something um, about like how meaningful the group is and how how wonderful everyone is and like sappy senior stuff like that. Um, And so our director open the table for that discussion to begin and no one wanted to go first and he said well I know Ethan has something to say oh my god like of course he has to call me out to be first long story short I like got up in front of everybody which like you know maybe there was like 80 or 90 people in that auditorium and just came out and it was very awkward and (laughs) my word choice was poor (laughs) It was very, it was like, I said it, phrased it in a way that like, it wasn't very clear what I was saying. But then if you like (laughs) sat with it for 30 seconds, you're like, oh, he just came out. What did you say? Like, be myself or something? Like, kind of something like that. (laughs) I just want (laughs) to, aw. See, I didn't know that. very controversially, I was not in the room for this. It's very controversial information. But I would pay, I would pay like $50 to see it. it I was wish it was. Cringy. <laughs> it was so bad. But um, it was a great plan because once you tell the school's most dramatic people of a big secret, then it's out. Everyone in the entire school knows that. Yeah. Two other crucial things about high school, like high school moments that I remember. One is when we decided to picnic for lunch. I think it was then, like during that semester, because we had no, nobody else to like be with at lunch. And then we decided one day to 
bring a blanket and just like pick a part of the the hallway that like was not very walked through and we had a picnic there it was so cute my favorite part was when the teacher walked by and we were like oh shit we're about to get in trouble and she's like oh this is the cutest thing I've ever seen like enjoy your picnic guys and then the other one is the way that (laughs) the way that you asked me to (laughs) prom because there was this whole obviously promposals are a real thing And, you know, I had no reason to expect one. That's for sure. But what I remember from ours was like, you kept like faking me out. And I was like, why is he doing this? Like, I was so confused by it. Because you would like just do kind of mini versions and like fake fake me out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think I wrote it on like a sticky note once and you're like, this is not it. Yeah, I was like, absolutely not. I, not that I even want it. Like promposals are inherently embarrassing. Yeah. So me, Ethan, and three of our other friends were the drama club officers, and which meant like the leaders of the group, the student leaders. And then um, at the end of every school year, we did an awards program, I guess. <laughs> it's like our own version of the Tonys, if you will. And um, I decided that we were going to do like a really intense video intro for the whole thing, which honestly, I still love. Basically, I came on stage and I was like, everybody's missing. Like the other officers are not here. And then I like ran off stage like I was going to go find them. And then it cuts to the video. And it's like the adventure of me finding the other four officers. And when we were filming that video, there was this part where I was like going into Ethan's room and he was asleep And essentially, during one of the takes, I opened the door and then you were like (laughs) laying there with a prom sign. And so it was caught on camera. So we got the camera. I was basically punked. Um, (laughs) You know, is that how you would have wanted it to be? It's getting like we're far enough out of high school where I actually kind of don't know who I was like it's getting to that point I mean I was like generally living in those days I think I was happy it's it's weird because it's not important but like everything's important but also like we weren't a couple and we definitely had a conversation about the fact that we were going to go to prom together so it is silly and dumb but I think we were just like this is what people did so we like I took it upon me to like figure out a goofy way to do it. Did you consider having a male date for prom? Because you could have. You you actually could have, right? I could have. Yeah, we had a um, queer principal. One time (laughs) I created a fake email address and emailed her and said, I heard that you don't allow queer relationships at prom. I do remember that, yeah. I was like, signed anonymous high school student. (laughs) (laughs) And she like responded and she's like, that's definitely not the the case. 
Like, where'd you hear that? Like, I wanted to let you know, blah, blah, blah. And then eventually she found out it was me somehow. And then tying it back to GVF, she, uh-huh. um, cause I was in the office a lot in the mornings and she went up to me and she said, Ethan, will you resurrect our GSA and be the leader of that? Maybe I had just watched GBF and I had this like idea that GSA, <laughs> no, I don't think GBF had a lot to do with it, but I don't know. I think at that time I, like I was recently out, but I was just um, too concerned about what everyone thought to like realize that that was actually like a great thing that I could do and like be a part of. Yeah. But also like GSA, it didn't have any, okay. So it's true that it died. Cause actually Hannah and I were talking about GSA, like, did it exist at our school? And she said, yeah, it did exist like within her time. And then I said, I feel like by the time we were seniors, it like didn't, but I don't know. But to answer your initial question about considering going with a guy, no. <laughs> yeah, I feel like not really. I didn't really consider. Actually, I, I did go the year before as a junior with a female friend. And at the time, I was dating a guy at our school and he went with his female friend. And so I think we did get like one dance together. And so that was cute. Yeah, that's good. Have you or did you ever feel like an accessory (laughs) to some straight girl, I guess? No. No? That's good. No, I have a lot of female friends in my life and all of them are cool and smart and interesting and not like the girls in this movie. I would say the one, there was one part of the movie that triggered a um, moment in life where just seeing at a party when the straight female cis woman starts dancing on the gay man, that brought me back. That's real. <laughs> That's real. And that is, is weird. <laughs> it's like, I want, as the girl, you want to like, have that experience that a lot of people are like dating and grinding on each other but yeah. like oh it's safe because he's not into right me. and that I will say like isn't the best feeling no why are we doing this this is like it's like performative but like for other guys like it, it can just be very performative for for the guy that they would actually be interested in I mean that was always my kryptonite in general at school dances was like I would literally rather disintegrate and into the floor and die than try to fit in in this gymnasium right now like I like could not handle it at all okay last question I feel like I already know the answer to this do you wish you came out earlier I feel like you couldn't have (laughs) yeah I mean that's kind of my answer like no because it was you know junior year I feel like is early enough given the situation and like the circumstances of where we lived and the time Mm -hmm. so like you know if I was a high schooler today like I probably could do it earlier than junior year yeah. But like it would have been nice to be out earlier. Yeah. But it made me who I am today to go through it the way that I did. I can't remember if we've actually talked about this or not. I think we have. But like, didn't you say I was your crush in ninth grade? 
<laughs> so maybe it's less about the straight girl using the GBF, but you were using me. <laughs> yeah, that was early on. Yeah, that was during this this period of time where um, Ethan and our other friend Tori would like wait for me every morning. Like you would sit on the ground in front of my locker every morning. That was so cute. Did you know that? when when that was happening like did you know that I was using your name like that I don't I don't think so I might have had an inkling but like I just didn't take it seriously because I feel like I just knew intrinsically I kind of knew what was going on and also we were best friends so like that's fine like I don't think I cared if I did know but we also kind of had that like quasi sibling thing going on I almost yeah. like because we kind of look alike. Like I feel like there was some of that too. I agree. It definitely seemed harmless, and I'm glad that it didn't. You know, yeah, it wasn't weird for you. I was just, I was basically just waiting. At all times, I was just waiting to be c- come out to like all the time. I feel like a lot of people have done that with you. Yeah. <laughs> One other thing, like about the movie that I wanted to say. Okay. Bring us home. Okay, bring to wrap it all up. I feel like this dichotomy between two gay leads in a film like this is super interesting because at the time when we watched this movie, I, you know, saw myself in Tanner and like only wanted to see myself in Tanner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to like see this other character to be so like flamboyant and so feminine and so himself, I like, I think we are all taught, and especially when you're young and you're in high school and you're terrified, it feels like the easy thing to do is just kind of shun that and like kind of idolize the, you know, seemingly straight acting, like more acceptable uh, version yeah. of queer. The Love Simon. <laughs> love Simon, like Will and Grace has that too. Mm-hmm. I don't know, kind of a special thing to be able to look back at it now at almost almost 26. Well, why are we trying to so hard, like, blend in as much as Tanner, you know, kind of embodies and not just, like, just be yourself? Yeah. Patriarchy runs deep. Patriarchy runs deep. Hopefully the world is in a much better place than it was in 2013. Thank you so much, Ethan, for coming on the podcast. This is a very fun walk down memory lane. Okay, now we're moving on to a discussion with Hannah and Chris Shahadi. (laughs) Okay, everyone, as promised, we have Chris here on the pod. Hello. <laughs> He's, he gave us a little wave, but you it's can't... It's more like a spear fingers, more of like a spear yes. finger situation. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so I brought up when I, like, Audrey and I both introduced you and Ethan, or just like mentioned you were going to come on, and I brought up the fact that you were our international correspondent for the Bend It Like Beckham <laughs> episode. So technically this isn't your first rodeo. No, and I also get a little sprinklings here and there, like when you mentioned that I hit my head on the Twilight, (laughs) when you saw Twilight Theater. Also, you're like, yeah, my friend Chris loves Devil Wears Prada. I was like, and I was like, when you did the episode, I was like, I really hope I get like some sort of shout out. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, I mean, so many. And Sweeney Todd. Like, I remember. There's yes. some sort of Sweeney There's Todd reference. There's so many. Yeah. <laughs> it was because, no, it was because we watched it on the couch when we yes. were dating in eighth grade. Oh my, God. my last hey. girlfriend. My last girlfriend. Hey. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's an honor to have been the last girlfriend. <laughs> I think it was the summer of 2008. I met you at Aurora Farms. And we first became friends for a love of the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Um, how you didn't realize I was gay then, I, I will never understand, Hannah, but... <laughs> the thing is, I, like, knew, but okay, keep going, keep going. Okay, okay. Um, and then we, like, kind of were dating, and I will say, and I know you will agree with this statement, we had a very <laughs> legitimate relationship considering we were in middle school. Yes. Um, we yes, would, like, we kiss each other goodbye, like, in the hallway and stuff like that. That is, is so wild. insane. I can't believe we did that. <laughs> um, I mean, not, like, not, like, tongue or anything. It was, like, literally, I like, know. On, like on the lips, crazy. I can't believe Absolutely that. Crazy. I can't believe that. I forgot that that's true. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. And then um, we broke up. Like I think summer going into freshman year of high mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we kind of like we're still hanging out a little bit, but we didn't really like um, hang out as much as we used to. Obviously. Yeah. Um, Breakups are hard. Yeah, it's just like I needed time to like focus on me. Okay, I needed time away. <laughs> Wait, I just needed like every time I see you, it just like brings back painful memories. <laughs> um, we started getting closer, and I remember like there was like <laughs> there was like a shift in the air. We definitely got to like the peak attachment, like where Tanner is with Fawcett. We were like very inseparable, like end of junior year, pretty much all of senior year, and then we ended up going to NYU together, um, which was crazy. And I think that it really, like, annoyed a lot of people. Like, oh, my God, they're, like, so insufferable together. Now they're going to be, like, insufferable in New York City together. It was a coincidence, too. It was a coincidence. And we had, like, a bit of a falling out, I'd say, our first year. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we Mm -hmm. were both trying to, like, like find our place in the city and, like, find new friends. But then, um, you know, towards the end, it was, like, a rekindling in in many ways. Yeah. Okay, so you hadn't seen GBF until but days ago, right? Yeah, I started watching it yesterday at the airport, and I was, like, taking notes on my iPad, and I was like, what am (laughs) I watching right now? And I'm, like, really (laughs) hoping no one else is watching me watch this. Um, So, yeah, so, and I finished it today. So okay, so what are your initial thoughts on this film? Um, put it this way: I this would never be a film that I would like even casually put on. Like, right. um, we we kind of discussed it, but I was like, I think if you like view it strictly as camp, it's like okay. But mm-hmm. it's, like, the camp is only just sort of sprinkled in with the gay aspect. And then there are other, like, yeah. things that are discussed. And it's, like, this isn't camp. This is just, like, really bad writing. And I think I, I told you, I was, like, there's, like, the racist jokes aren't, like, camp. They're just, like, straight up racist. <laughs> like, and I'm just, yeah. like, what, no, what, are the, we, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, like, the, um, I've always wanted an SBF. Oh, Sassy my God. friend. <laughs> Oh, my mom thinks you're a drag queen. I was like, oh my God. Like, what? And it's I like, know. and they also called, um, they they use like a lot of like really poor taste Asian like remarks towards him. Yeah. Like, when they say, not- when they say she turned out to be a rice queen. Yeah. Like, what are we, cause, 
And it just, like, really hits me. Like, I don't, I didn't even look up who, like, directed this. I was like, this was definitely, mm-hmm. I feel like, some, like, white twink who, like, wrote this. Who's like, oh, we're getting <laughs> yep. into, like, the levels of irony of, like, the gay community. Which I think sometimes they did yeah. really well. But, like, truly failed miserably in addressing, like, yeah. these, other, these other characteristics of other groups. Okay, so this movie was made in 2013 and set in 2013. So I'm curious... Yes. I was there, but how would you describe <laughs> yourself in 2013? Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> I'm assuming this is like not the 2013 of Chris that started his freshman year at NYU, but like who ended his senior year in high school. Like, it could be both, but I was thinking more high school. Yeah, I was gonna say let's stick to the high school aspect. Um, <laughs> yeah, kind of similar to where I am now, except um, I don't have a beard. I didn't have a beard back then. <laughs> Um, which was yeah. honestly a huge mistake because I could have been rocking like a full beard and mustache like by age like 15 in high that school. That would have been a sleigh. It would have been a sleigh, honestly. Like, but I don't yeah. think society was was ready for that just yet. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was like very prominent in the arts. So um, the yeah. theater, like I was vice president of my drama club. I was like co-dance captain yeah. um, in, in like some ways of our show choir. Um, I was also just, like, very, very academically intense. Like, I was taking, I think, four AP classes my senior year for, like, no reason. Mm -hmm. Just to be like, I can push myself. And, like, yeah, I did push myself, and it was kind of miserable. So 2013 is also, and maybe we can get into this later, but it was also the year that I came out. So maybe this story was about me. You know, I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm the main character, yeah. which is also just a very prominent gay trace. <laughs> Always thinking you're the main character and everything's written about yeah. you. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, but like definitely, like pretty obviously, like if you if you had any sort of like social understanding of like... <laughs> people you would probably be like oh that is that is not a heterosexual man that is speaking right now it's so interesting because we have so many gay boy friends who are all probably like a little too many to be honest yeah no it's like something happened in the town at the water like the stars aligned a certain way like yeah yeah do you feel like everyone knew like, did everyone in that pocket know about each other? Like, I yeah. would say yes. Like, you can kind of tell when someone else is gay because they exhibit the same signs as you when mm-hmm. you, they're in the closet, when you were in the closet. So, like, a complete lack of interest in talking about women, like, kind of insecure being around, like, men, and, like, you don't want to really talk about any sort of, yeah. like, sexual experiences or, like, any sort of, like, sexual desires. That was always, like, very prominent in our friend group. And so I think That's that, so true. Um, yeah. And it's and it's so real. I mean, um, and so, like, sometimes when I watch these movies, they're like, oh, like, I don't have a good gaydar. I was like, that's kind of bullshit, like, to be right. honest. Like, you, I right. mean— I mean, full disclosure here, my current partner, I did not know he was gay when I first met him. So, (laughs) like, maybe I'm like, maybe that's, maybe I'm just, like, talking out the ass. But um, you can, we always, we just spend so much time together. And, like, none of us have, like, ever hooked up with, like, any of any of us in our friend group. In GBF, first of all. Yes. I hated that. I hated (laughs) that. Like, they're best friends, and then it becomes, like, romantic for a second, and then they're like, never mind. I'm sorry, I just have to go on a rant for a second. Like, (laughs) it reminds me a lot of, like, 
in some of the movies you guys have covered where there's like a forced romance for absolutely no reason or it's like yeah. why can't they just be friends and it was like yeah. the exact same thing I was totally fine with them like not getting together in the end but it's like but then don't introduce this whole like oh are we like together like in the middle yeah. of the movie I thought that was like just really dumb and like served no purpose they're sisters they're not they are <laughs> like no they literally are so when you were watching the movie okay it's very 2013 you feel that like did like how did that because even to me I was like this fashion is like out of control but in any way did it like take you back to the vibe of being a 2013 baby gay it was like when we first um got to New York um so Uh I spent the summer working um and actually like racking up like a fuck ton of cash yeah I literally remember it was like your parents were like still in the city like dropping you off and I just went to Topshop and just like threw down cash and yes. got like my first pair of skinny jeans yeah and I got like some cute like sweaters with some shirts and there is a picture of me with your parents um <laughs> in Washington Square Park and I am wearing and that is the first time I've ever worn skinny jeans like outside of a wow. store and I'm like rocking these skinny jeans so but like when they were doing the makeup like montage or like the the makeover montage, yeah, I was like, none yeah. of these looks are good. And also, like, I'm like, who dresses like this, like, ever? First of all, I just want to acknowledge, we are past the point in society where coming out is, like, a crucial plot point in queer media for the most part. Yes. Um. However, this movie is very much about coming out and what happens. So I wanted to ask you, like, with everything in our school and, like, in your life, at the time, were you, like, nervous to come out? I think I was for a little bit just because I'm someone that doesn't really like a lot of change. Not that it's like I I came out and all of a sudden I became gay. It was more about um, (laughs) disrupting a status quo that I was living with, Mm -hmm. I think. In hindsight, I look back as, like, there should have been absolutely no nervousness coming out in, like, any situation that I was in. Um, I had a very supporting family. I, like, Mm -hmm. was surrounded by, like, a bunch of other people that were in the closet. Um, We had a very good supportive network of, like, teachers at school. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, my favorite teacher is a gay man. Our theater director, obviously, was as well. So Butch um, lesbian icon. Literally, literally, (laughs) no one's doing it like her. No (laughs) one's doing it like her with those cargo shorts. (laughs) Ah! (laughs) Um, But, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I've invoked but her name so many times on this show. I, girl, I've listened to every episode. I am fully aware. Actually, you I haven't know. listened to Princess Protection yet, but I will be listening to that tomorrow. Oh my god, um, so loyal. I think it was just like, oh, I'm really nervous to like accept this part of me and like really disrupt a status quo that has been like long established for most of my life, even though like as I said, it wasn't really surprising that yeah. to many people that I came out. Um, some people were surprised, and I was like, you need to, like, read a book. Girl. <laughs> so I remember when you came out to me. Yes. But I don't know if that was the first. It was the first. So I saw oh this question. God. I was like, you know, Hannah, you were there. <laughs> I've had multiple people come out to me for the first time, so I never want to be like, it was me, like, they came out to me for the first time. It's that, it's that like aura you exude that literally attracts <laughs> every single gay man to you. And they're just like, I can trust her. She gets me. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I love it that way. I like my yeah. life being that way. I actually remember it quite well. Um, so it was the day before, I think it was our first show choir competition of 
uh-huh. um, of, of, of the season, the season, competition season. Yes. Um, you, so like, because, so I'm a triplet for all the people mm-hmm. that do not know in mm-hmm. who are listening right now. So uh, there was a lot of shared car like maneuvering that had to go around. And so Hannah was like, oh, well, let me drive you home. And honestly, like most of these times, like it was like me, Hannah, and then my brother Nick sometimes, we would just like park and just like talk for like literally hours. Like, um, and it was actually super fun and like a very fun memory for me. Um, And we parked like not on my street, but like a few streets over because there's like this weird curve path that like was Uh kind of like secluded. And we're like, oh, if any cops like, come by and they're like like why are these kids talking in the car they won't see us classic like definitely was not the case yeah as if like also it's like is it illegal for people to be talking in a car and i was like i gotta tell you something and you're like okay like and i and i was like i just i I just want you know that like i'm gay and then i don't really remember what happened after that uh i remember you hugged me which obviously yeah like it's not like you slapped me or something like that um but then you like you know it's like it's very much the questions like oh like how long have you known like mm-hmm. uh, like how are you feeling like oh have you come to anyone else but yeah it was you in a cold wow. ohio winter night yes. in your wonderful 2002 red honda crv yes the memory oh the my memory. god i'm so yeah. honored 2013 wasn't ready <laughs> to the gbf thing did you ever feel like people were like you need to be my gbf I promise you this isn't a read, but like, no, because it was already well established before I even came out that that I was your GBF. And like, that was kind of like, it was kind of like, oh, I mean, put it this way. There was never like a huge outing for me like there was in um, GBF. But I will say there were sometimes like um, people in our like theater and show choir group, like some of the girls who would be like, like, oh. Chris, hi! Like, 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 wanting to like interact with me like a little bit more, you, you know, like the whole like changing in front of like the guys versus girls. Like a lot of the girls, are like, oh it's just, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, the only thing that interested me is like chatting with the girls because they're more fun. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, I'm not gonna say the F slur. However, that scene where Tanner shows up on the porch, I scream. And says it to, and says it like, like, and outs him to his mom. Yes. Oh, I was, I was shocked. I was like, that is, first of all, first of all, the the vibe of the movie did not give me the idea that they were going to start throwing the F slurs like around. I was like, oh, it's not even messy. That's just like cruel. I was so shocked watching that. Even though, like, the mom knew, first of all, Brent did not deserve his mom. She was an absolute legend. Like, (laughs) she literally was back. I want to be here for you. And I'm like trying to drop pins for you and like trying to. Although, that one scene where she's like, oh, I could really go for a poppers right now. I like. That was so funny. I lost it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when he said that on the front porch, I was like, that is so malicious. Yes. And it, it's just so unwarranted because like, okay, <laughs> to like blame your best friend for something like that is wild. And to yeah. actually like, like cut so deeply into something that is so important to him in front of like his mom, who like, I assume like it, he's, it's like a single parent household. Yeah. Is like, I mean that, I can't believe they even like became friends again, let alone like maybe even like hooked up. I was like, I would never talk to that person again. <laughs> I know. That is so evil. 
it was so fucked up. I called Josh in and I was like, you got to watch this. Like I rewound it. I was watching with my partner. I was like, you got to watch. I like so many of the scenes or like so many of the terms they said. I was like, you just got to watch how crazy this is. And it was mostly for like stupid camp things that they say. Yeah. Like what, like when the mom was like, I could really go for a poppers right now. I like rewind it. I was like, watch this. Like this is, I can't believe this is a real movie. And this got a green light from production. How the (laughs) fuck are they going to try to convince us that this place has never had a gay student? There's a theater and arts department. And then first I was like, where does this take place? I was like, is this in California? And then they made a joke about Prop 8, which is the California game. I was like, okay, so this did take place in California. You're really trying to tell me that there's not a single gay student in this like coastal, probably LA, like high school. Like, give me a break. At least be a little more believable. Go to Idaho or something like that. We cannot do this question if you don't want to do this question. Do you, okay. Out of curiosity, do you ever wish that you came out earlier? Oh, okay. I would love to answer this question. Okay, please. Actually. Um, And the answer is yes, because I had, like, known I was gay for, like, way longer than before I came out. Mm -hmm. And... There is this other aspect, which is Ooh. I've been on, like, this horror. I mean, it's not scandalous or anything like that or juicy. Oh. But I've been, like, come recently obsessed with a lot of, like, young adult, like, novels and young mm-hmm. adult, like, TV shows of, like, young, younger, like, queer characters, like, who are actually, like, dating in high school. Yeah. And I, like, had to stop watching them because it actually made me, like, extremely sad mm-hmm. to think that, like, I was so close to having, like, an experience like that. And did it. And I don't know what it is about, like, like having a love in high school that made it seem like that seems so pure to me. But I definitely wish I would have. I feel like I lost a really important aspect of like your high school experience, which is like kind of like, oh, you go through puberty and you find out who you like and like mm-hmm. maybe ask them out on a date and it's really awkward and you go to the movies or something like that. And I just never yeah. had the opportunity to have that my entire high school career. And I feel like. No, I'm saying that it definitely would have happened, but I feel like there could have been a chance had I came out earlier. And that, I, I say that mostly because, and again, <laughs> this could go into like the theme of um, a gay man thinking of the main character and that everything revolves around them. But <laughs> okay, um, okay. so in our in our grade, there were two other people that came out um, pretty early. I think one came out in middle school and then one came out, um, it was either our freshman or sophomore year. I think mm-hmm. it was our freshman year of high school and then there was like this long like desert yeah and we all knew but like we were just like yeah like ignoring the like, elephant let the her rest yeah yeah literally <laughs> we're like we we want drama but like how much drama do we really want right at um, what cost <laughs> yeah and it's like are we gonna open the floodgates really like we're all gonna drown <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely <laughs> so i came out my senior year i said like in january mm-hmm. and then like almost everyone like started coming out you were like, like it, it, and i was like, like oh literally i was like i was the trendsetter i was the martyr like even though it, like, it was a completely painless experience but like <laughs> yeah um yeah. but yeah so i think that had i come out maybe other people could have as well mm, and then maybe i would have had uh-huh. a very different high school experience in terms of like yeah. being out and I had stopped watching these shows. So I'm like, uh, like, why couldn't I have a love like that as if I'm not in like a very loving, like committed relationship? Yeah, so. no, but I get that though. And it's interesting because and I know this comes as a huge shock, but I speak with a lot of gay people on a daily no. basis. No, you? <laughs> Me? Me? Mwah, um, but, no. <laughs> but so many people I've talked to, and I know this is not like a fresh take, but so many people I've talked to have been like, Heartstopper ruined my life. Heartstopper did ruin my life. Okay. Yeah. I like, 
I, I so it's been on my radar for a while because I knew of, of the webtoon. And so the day came out, I watched it in one day. I read the entire comic. I've read like yeah. a lot of like her other stuff. And it, I mean, it is, it is good. And actually it like the TV show is like, oh, it's cute. And then it gets the actual, like where it's going actually gets very dark. The later seasons get into a lot of things about like eating disorders and like mental health and like uh-huh. stuff like that. And it's like, they're 15 and 16 and it's really wow. really intense and like a lot of like really intense topics so like Damn. I think all these people who haven't read it they like watched Hard Stop and like oh my god how cute and I was like you people aren't ready for what's coming like <laughs> right, truly right, right, not right. at all something I will say though about this movie that like really is struck close to home I'm not sure mm-hmm. if you remember but I was my prom king I was prom king my senior year I like went up to the table and I was like I want to sign up to be prom queen and they're like you can't do that I was like <laughs> You sure? Like, and they're like, yes. And I was like, fine, I'll sign up for Prom King. And um, Brent's whole, like, scheme to be like, oh, I'm going to, like, come out and everyone's going to love me and I'm going to become Prom King. That was, like, low-key what I did, (laughs) not going to lie. Like, I never, never would have signed up in the running to become Prom King if I was not out of the closet and knew that I could, like, use the idea of being, like, an out gay man to, like, propel myself to, like... To, to fame and fortune. royalty. Yeah, literally. Yeah. I feel like in so many ways, I, our high school was like weirdly a gay utopia. Like, I don't know why. But like people didn't get bullied for being gay as far as I knew. No. The only time like, and it wasn't even bullying. There was like one time in Spanish class. So uh, there's like this verb that's like llegar, which I think if I remember correctly means to, uh, to, I don't remember what it means. I don't remember all Spanish anymore. But the okay. way you can conjugate it um, is like ye gay. And one person kept like, so he was like here. So someone was sitting here and I was next to him and his friend was next to me. And he kept like looking at his friend saying, ye gay, ye gay, ye gay, like over and over again. I just like completely ignored it. I was like, and I looked at him. I was oh like, can you, can you stop? Like not being like, can you stop? I was like, yeah. I, 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 you're like so beneath me in order to like engage with this right now. So ye gay. Like, not even oh a good God. pun. The question is, so, okay. In the movie, Everyone, or, like, Brent and Tanner both seem to be, like, kind of salty about being a GBF, especially Tanner. You know what I mean? Like, they kind of don't like the girls. It, it seems like he really just, like, allowed his entire agency to be taken away from him from coming out, which is, like, the yeah. opposite of what coming out's supposed to be, which is, like, right. oh, like, you own who you are. And now he's, like, oh, just kidding. I'm owned by these, like, three women. And yeah. um, it just really was, like, I, it really confused me. Yeah. Because um, it was. At least they're fierce. Like, why is that not even being remarked on? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were. I mean, yeah. I mean, Shlee, okay, so Shlee, <laughs> that's what I say not, about each one. Shlee yeah. wasn't fierce, but, like, I think that, like, um, the U.S. would be a much better place if, like, a lot of religious people were had, like, the same mentality that Shlee did. A, a satirization of, like, the Mormon community, because actually, um, it's, like, getting way too into politics, but the entire Utah delegation to the House, which is all Mormon, they all voted to codify, like, same-sex marriage. So I think there is wow. this, like, Mormons really practice what they preach. Like, they actually believe Aww. that everyone is a child of God <laughs> and deserves saving. Suri, Suri was so fierce, but I was not comfortable with, like, this very heavy, like, AAVE accent they, like, gave her. And, like, some yeah. of the slang they gave her, I was like, this is definitely written by, like, a white person. Um, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But Fawcett was amazing. Like, I was literally I like, she is a queen. She's actually very smart. And, like, she 
truly like early on i was like oh she actually cares about tanner like at first we knew that obviously she was very into like having a gbf but yeah. i could tell like very early on she transitioned way sooner than the other two <laughs> in terms of being like oh this is actually someone i really care about and so when he blew up at her and he was like you only care about me as an accessory i was like she, she doesn't though like <laughs> yeah. this should have been a fight that happened way earlier yeah like, she's shown you time time again she actually really cares about you up to <laughs> yeah. this point so like i feel like the script really got that wrong like that should have yeah like, scene should have been like way earlier i was like yeah there is something about like every gay man wants to have some like fierce smart like beautiful confident female to like gas her up all the time and yeah. like, even when she does psycho shit and be like you were right you were justified the entire time like <laughs> like I murdered my boyfriend because he didn't answer my text it's like and that's just the way men have to have it you know how else are they gonna learn <laughs> yeah 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 honestly a really important role to play in the lives yeah. of hags across the world. <laughs> Truly. I was gonna say and like but it's like interesting because like obviously like I always viewed you as, like, a fag hag, but it's, like, you can't yeah. call someone a fag hag anymore if they're, like, not <laughs> yeah. hetero, I feel. like Yeah, so but like, <laughs> I feel like I really do straddle the line, though, because yeah. that is who I am. No matter what, that is who I am. And, but it's also, like, not your fault that, like, every gay man <laughs> just, like, is, li- like, you literally ha- have some, like, pheromone that you exude, Hannah, that, like, brings every gay man within, like, a 20-mile radius to be, like, where is she? I must find her. <laughs> that if that's an innate trait of mine I'm grateful for it because it even works with my teenage students to this day I I know you tell me the story I was like girl it's like I thought this was just like guys your own age but like oh, no. damn you're gonna be like this I'm getting them young but, yeah but honestly it gives me like even when you're, you'll be like like a Miss Darvis like later in life yes, where like exactly. you'll just like attract them exactly that is honestly a goal for sure I love when they're like having their like gay prom and they're like this is a little more exclusive like we can't have everyone here i was like that's gay culture to be like (laughs) you can't you can't ruin this like thing that we have like 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 gatekeeping is so within like the white gay like zeitgeist Mm -hmm. like a hundred percent and so i was like oh this is like (laughs) again i think they did a really good job of satirizing gay people but not satirizing like high school or like had really yes. poorly written, like, minority characters. Yes, I totally agree. Um, overall, I thought parts of it were really funny, but by and large, it was not it. No, I, I think the only thing that made it funny was not, like, the plot, but just, like, some of the lines that the minor characters threw around that were, yes. like, extremely funny. But, like, um, Brent's mom was a sleigh. Uh, I yeah. love Tanner's parents. I, well, Tanner's, like, stepmom. She was hilarious. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Oh, and then obviously the Natasha Leon, he moved to, he didn't die. He moved to San Diego with a leather daddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, like minor adult characters had great lines that were really funny, but everything other than that, it was like not good. Again, it's like, do you want to be yeah. camp or do you want to be like, like a mean girls? But it was like really right. trying to straddle a line between the both. And it was, it was just like it, made for a mess of a movie. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad that you finally joined us. This was so fun. I know. It's been a long time in the running uh i was talking to my friends being like oh like you know my friends have a podcast so they like have guests on and they like review movies and i'm like oh i'm gonna go on and one of them's like oh are they reviewing star wars and i was like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) maybe (laughs) Um, someday well i know you guys aren't gonna watch it every time audrey like shits on star wars it's like damn it audrey it's really good (laughs) (laughs) and of course i have to say 
whilst you were my high school GBF, you continue to be one of my BFFs. And I love you for so much more than just being gay. <laughs> but that is always a big part of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you can view me as no longer as just your accessory, Hannah. No, oh, right. person. <laughs> Obviously, like, we were, we were girlinas in high school and yes. inseparable. And mm-hmm. there definitely was aspects of that GBF mentality. But I never viewed it as, like, you only liked me for my sexuality but rather that like characteristics that homosexuals exude like is something that like (laughs) speaks to you on a deep personal level and you're like I must be friends with all of them because they get me and we just like there's something about you that like (laughs) that homosexuals and like vice versa like really like connect and make magic with so (laughs) oh my god I couldn't have said it better myself thank you so (laughs) much I yeah. think that's it. I think we slay. It's been a moment. Yeah. Yeah, a minute slay. We hope you enjoyed these conversations with Ethan and Chris. Um, we just have so much shared history with them and really had a front row seat to a lot of their gay journey. Yeah. Really great friends have seen it all. We love them so much. Chris and Ethan, thank you for being vulnerable on the pod. We really appreciate it. And hopefully you'll be back at some point. And as we stated in the beginning, if you feel like getting a new phone case, well, now is your time. Yes. <laughs> Code yes, is exactly. 15 sleepover. Okay, so next episode is our season finale. And guys, we have another celebrity guest. Um, we're so, so, so excited to talk to them. It's a movie that has been highly requested that we really love. So a great way to wrap up this season. We're so excited. Yeah. Get ready for that one. High key this season. Season is the best. I don't know how we can top this season, but okay. We love you. And here we go with our information. <laughs> here we go. You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with all our latest creative projects at twopinkpictures.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at Sleepover Cinema and post a full video of each episode on YouTube and Facebook every Thursday. You can follow me, Audrey, at Audriana Leach on everything. And you can follow me, Hannah, just in case you don't know my name at this point, uh, at, at Hannah Ray Leach on everything. And of course, you can join our Discord server at the link in the episode description or on evergreenpodcast.com. We already talked about merch. We already talked about reviews. Yeah, leave us a review. And Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. And executive producer is Michael D'Aloya. We'll be back soon. See you next week. Bye. Bye. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. 
Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.